Good to see you folks. Good afternoon. Uh, if this is your first time with us, you're especially welcome. We welcome you to Destiny Church. I want you to feel at home here. And I would love to see you back again. Lots of things happening. Next, next Sunday, for the two morning services, we've got Peter Pretorius with us. Now, some of you, who's heard of Peter Pretorius? Yeah, pretty awesome guy. He used to be a tobacco farmer, incredibly wealthy man from South Africa. He was on track for retiring at age 40 in this comfortable life that he had over there. Uh, then he had an encounter with God, and it totally revolutionized his perspective and his future. Today, uh, Peter and his wife Anne, they feed, clothe, and educate nearly half a million kids every day in Africa. And they do vast... He's given up tobacco farming. Okay, just it's a wee plus. And uh, he's, he's doing also large-scale crusades all across the continent of Africa. I think they've seen maybe nine and a half million decisions for Jesus since 1984 in Africa. She's doing all right. Yeah. He's going to be with us next Sunday morning. He's been before, and I tell you, if you've, been, if you've heard him before, you don't know when to miss this guy. Absolutely superb. Come along, bring your friends, families, bring your cats and dogs. Anything you can drag along, bring them kicking and screaming. And we're going to actually absolutely have a great time. Peter Vittorius, you're going to be in for a treat. Really are. It's, it's a real joy to have with us today, all the way from Kenya. You know, you know you, we've, we've talked about starting a church in Kenya, yeah? We've said that we're starting a destiny church over there. And uh, all the way from Kenya for you today is Patrick, Penny, and little baby Diamonds, who are with us today, all the way from Kenya. Let's hear it from Patrick. Yo! Patrick, uh, introduce yourself to these people. T- tell them who you are and about some of the things you're dreaming about for Kenya and some of the things you've been doing. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. And God bless you all. I greet you special greetings from our great nation of Kenya. And I call it great because God is there. Yeah. You come from a city called Eldoret. And we've said a joke, El, it has something to do with God. So we believe that God is, uh, heaven is God's throne, and Eldoret is his footstool. But I know he occasionally comes here for visit. But he says, uh, okay. <laughs> I say, uh, you say, you've had uh, my wife and my uh, child Diamond are together with us all the way from Kenya, and we're here for a time of rest, attend the summer school, because we've been all busy at church, and uh, I'm making sure that uh, God, uh, are we available for what God has for us in the country. We had the privilege of getting this great man of God, and we are so thankful for the way God has, is using him. He is a beautiful, great gift in this nation, and especially in the city of Edinburgh. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we acknowledge it. He has the grace of God, and uh, we've developed some relationship. And he's a brother to me, and we put him closely to our hearts. We've been in that city of Eldred for a while and leading this church. And God has said after a number of years that we need to move the next season of our lives. as a next page in our own lives, and we need to move to a bigger city. Because God would want us to have a kingdom, a larger, bigger influence of his kingdom on earth. And we are so excited about, uh, about that. Uh, we believe that we are people under construction. God is building us. But he says there's no gate of hell that shall prevail against that which he is doing. So we believe in our hearts and fully convinced that it's right time. God is with us to back us up. We believe there's no weapon that's set against us that prosper. 
Uh, anytime you get involved with the kingdom of God, you have got God. You have God's God backing. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So we are so very much excited. Thank you very much for beautiful church. We've been here before. I did the preaching some time ago. But this time we are out resting. And you are a wonderful, wonderful people. Thank you for the warmth of fellowship and uh, a great, wonderful gift of hospitality. We feel ourselves home. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here today. Bless you, Bless sir. you, man. Patrick. We, we, have a, we have an important question. Patrick, we hear there's a rumor that there's a thing called sunshine in Kenya. Is that? No, no, no. no. It's not a rumor. It's, it's, it's real. It's there. We have... Great, lots of that. Yeah? Yeah. Right. See, we've heard of this thing called sunshine, and we've, we actually even believe it's there, all right? We, we're believers, yeah? You know, so sunshine in Kenya. Who would like to go and help Patrick pioneer this church in Kenya? Look at this. Look at the, the call of God wow. is, is all over. Yeah, hello, yeah. welcome. When, when I was coming and we were talking, Pastor Peter was asking whether I had come with sunshine. And uh, I said, yeah, but I forgot my bag in London. So it happened to be there. So when the bar comes here, the sunshine will be here. Yeah. So wait and see as, as you believe God together with me. Bless you, man. Bless you, man. Bless you. Excellent. Patrick, it's great to have you with us. And uh, on a serious note, you'll get a chance to, in the year ahead, hopefully, in the next couple of years ahead, to certainly get a chance to travel over and be part of what's happening there. You know, they've, they've got home with... 150 bedrooms, uh, which so there's accommodation for you all. We're going to send mission trips out to Africa and to India and to partner with them and to be a blessing. Okay, you know, when you get into the Bible, there, is, there isn't such a thing as an overnight success. There's never kind of one big step, then you've arrived, that's you successful. That just doesn't happen in the Bible. That's not God's way of doing things. In the Bible, you see that there are stages to success. My title this morning is God's Growth Strategy. God's got a strategy for growth, stages in success. I've just realized Andre and Fiona Bulbeck and little Joshua Bulbeck are here for the first time since Joshua arrived. Welcome, baby Joshua. Yay! How's he doing there? Is he all right? Is he listening to the preacher? He's a good lad. He's a good lad. Excellent. So in the kingdom of God, in God's way of doing things, there's no such thing as like an overnight success, one step, then you've arrived. It's a staged success process. Someone once said that success when you're four years old is not piddling your pants. Success when you're 12 is having friends. Success when you're 17 is uh, having a driver's license. Success when you're 35 is having some money. Success when you're 50 is having money. Success when you're 70 is still having a driver's license. (laughs) Success when you're 75 is having friends. And success when you're 80 is not piddling your pants. (laughs) He wants to be a successful person. (laughs) So there are stages to success. Let's turn to the Bible. That wasn't the Bible, in case you're wondering. That was just me, all right? Uh, Mark 4, verses 26 to 29. This is Jesus speaking. He was saying to them, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed in the soil and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself does not know. The soil produces by itself first the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. There are steps. There are stages 
in this growth. But when the crop permits, he immediately puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Jesus in this parable describes something that, to be honest, isn't rocket science. It's not something revolutionary in one sense. It's, it's just ordinary. It's what you expect. Farmer, seeds in the ground, the seed grows. It's got stages in its growth. Not a big deal. In terms, it's just normal. It's just everyday life. For us farmers, it's what we do every day. It's just part of normal, everyday life. There's nothing revolutionary about that, but here's the revolutionary bit. He's not talking about our ordinary, everyday life. He's talking about this thing that he calls the kingdom of God. He's talking about the unseen realm where God is operating in our lives and in this world, in this great plan and purpose of God, that this principle that we are so familiar with on a daily basis, this principle that we're so familiar with, this sowing a seed, it growing, it germinating, it it becoming something and it, it having more seeds, that process that we are so familiar with in our time space world is absolutely the identical process that takes place in the kingdom of God, in the spiritual realm of God that is operating in our lives. That same principle, it's just there. So God wants us, just as we're looking at this passage, just to understand that he has a growth strategy. What is this kingdom of God? Well, when you think of the kingdom of God, you know, we maybe think of the United Kingdom. We think, okay, the United Kingdom, it's a kingdom that we're under authority. There's a government who looks after this bit of land that we call the United Kingdom. Now, the United Kingdom is a particularly, it's defined by a boundary. Yeah, you've got different kingdoms around this earth that are defined by boundaries, and there's a ruler or a, an authority or a government that rules over that particular area. That's the United Kingdom. So we have a geographical boundary. It's, it's the sea, okay? We're surrounded by water. To be honest, we're surrounded by water here and here, right? So water all around. This is the United Kingdom. Welcome to the United Kingdom. You think, oh, I wish they told me that before I moved here. Yeah, well, rain everywhere, okay? Just water all around. The United Kingdom, it's a geographical location, and the, the government of the UK rules over this geographical location. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, the government or the rule of God, it didn't happen in a geographical location. It's not like, okay, that, that's there, or, okay, mark a line, right? that's, that's the kingdom of God. It's not like that. The kingdom of God is unseen. It's, an, it's the unseen realm at work in hearts and lives of people who have said, you be the government in my life. It's in the lives of people who have said, I let you be the king on the throne of my heart. I come willingly under your authority and I yield my life, my future, my gifts, talents and abilities, everything about me to you, King Jesus. All of a sudden, the kingdom of God is very much part of your life. You see, on this earth, the kingdom of God is amongst us. You see, you're in one kingdom or another. According to the Bible, there's only two kingdoms. Spiritually speaking, there's only two kingdoms on this planet. We've talked about the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of God, but there's another kingdom at work on this planet as well. Let me just illustrate it to you. There's uh, near China, is a place called Laos, And way before the colonialists imposed national boundaries, the king of Laos and the king of Vietnam had to decide, okay, how do we decide who is with what country? Who is from what nationality? Because they were all living amongst each other. So they decided, okay, for taxation purposes, 
those who ate short grain rice, who built their houses on, on stilts, and who decorated them with Indian-style serpents, they were considered Leoitans. And on the other hand, those who ate long grain rice, who built their houses on the grounds, and who decorated them in Chinese-style dragons, they were Vietnamese. Now, they all lived amongst each other, but their culture and their national values that they expressed in their life made it clear what kingdom they were part of. What is the culture and the values that you're holding to? The Bible says there's only two types of kingdom on this earth. Is the thing that's permeating your life the kingdom of God? Okay, the Bible in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 13 says, For he rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Here the Bible makes it clear. There's the kingdom of darkness and there's the kingdom of God. So the question is, what kingdom are you a part of? Have you come under God's authority? Or are you just living for yourself? Because if you're living for yourself, according to the Bible, you're in the kingdom of darkness. That's scary. But if you've come under God's authority, if you said, Lord, have the rule in my life, I, I yield my life, my gift, my future, everything about me to you, O oh God, then the Bible says you're part of the kingdom of God. Okay, it's in that context that this parable applies. So if you're part of the kingdom of God, according to this parable, then what will happen is that a certain growth principle kicks into your life. You can expect a certain productivity to kick in because this kingdom of God is operating in your life. Jesus said, kingdom of God is like a, a farmer who sows a seed. And in verse 27, it says, the seed sprouts and grows how he himself does not know. It's almost like the farmer thinks, well, like when you sow this seed, you don't have a clue how that seed works. You don't even worry about that. You just know it's going to grow. Because in the seed, it has this potential to grow. Within the seed itself, within the kingdom, within the very fabric of the kingdom of God, which is affecting your life, is this growth potential. It's this sense of it will just grow. It's, it's natural for growth to take place in the kingdom of God. Whether that kingdom's touching your life, your marriage, your company, your ministry, your church, your projects, if you're allowing the kingdom of God to permeate that which you're involved with, it's like this parable says, will experience this growth. It will be affected like a seed, going through stages, but growing and absolutely bearing fruit and having a harvest. David Jongi Cho, who passes the largest church in the world, if you go on his website and look at the church history section, it talks to you a little bit about how he started. And way back in 18th of May, 1958, David Jongi Cho and five others, it, just after the Korean War, the place was devastated. The people were in a lot of poverty. There's a lot of people struggling. A lot of people had lost a lot of hope. But here, David Yonggi Cho and five others at the foot of this mountain in Seoul, Korea, at near the bottom of this mountain, they started the church. They started the church, a handful of people. But they believed that God was with them. And this kingdom principle kicked in. Growth is natural. And now today they have nearly a million members in their church in Korea. Biggest church in the world. They've got you know, thousands upon thousands of cell groups like we do midweek. We don't have thousands of them, but we have cell groups midweek. They have, you know, thousands of elders to look after all the people. It's just a, a mass movement that God has initiated. And it's this principle that 
when the kingdom of God's involved with something, it's just going to grow. It's just going to grow. Uh, David Young chose, they've sent out 600 missionaries from their church. Their, their dream is to have 500 churches planted in Korea. They do lots of things. They've got this thing called a welfare village where they provide work and training for unemployed Koreans. They also have a place where homeless elderly Koreans are able to come and be looked after and have a home and be looked after in their old age. They're doing tons of stuff. There's just an explosive growth about this church in Korea. Why? Well, the kingdom of God, it's within the very nature of the kingdom of God when it gets a hold of someone's life. When you bring whatever it is under the domain of God, it grows. In Isaiah, it says in Isaiah 9 and verse 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no ends. You see, there's something about God's kingdom that's just increasing, increasing, and increasing. It says, of the increase of his government and peace, there's going to be no end. Now, if something continues to increase and has no ends, it's destined to fill everything. Yeah, that's where it's going. And if that's the thing that's influencing your life, that's where you're going. It's like if you're an investor, you want to kind of invest in the stuff that's doing well, yeah? Like you're not, you're not looking for, oh, that's a really poor market. It's going absolutely nowhere, and it's just bound to go down quickly. Oh, I'm going to put all my money there, yeah? No, you're a nutter, right? What you want to do is you want to invest your money in something that's going somewhere. Equally, you want to invest your life and allow the thing that's affecting you to be the thing that God is blessing and going somewhere. And instead of saying, God, would you bless what I'm doing? You're saying, I'm going to get involved with God, what you're blessing. It's like getting on the wave and surfing the wave that God has already created. It's coming in line, getting under the spout where the glory comes out. You're listening. Jim Elliot, radical Christian guy from a few decades ago. Anyone read his book, uh, Shadow of the Almighty? Okay, very moving, very moving. It's this journey of this guy who's who had a, a big heart to make a difference in this world, Jim Elliot. And he believed that God had called him to go to Ecuador and to reach some of the most unreached peoples in our world. Some tribes and peoples who are totally unconnected with what we would call civilization and who haven't yet heard about God's love through Jesus. So this was his mission. He believed that God had called him to go and make a difference specifically with those tribes in Ecuador. Now, there was risks involved. He knew that. The risks, I mean, many of them were cannibals, so he could get eaten, which is slightly risky, okay? Not many people recover after that. And so that was a risk. There was a potential violence and, and all this. And he and a few guys, they started moving into that area and doing some work and connecting with some tribesmen, but they wanted to go right into the areas that totally had been unreached, unconnected with society. They flew in and they lost contact with civilization. And not many weeks after, they were found five bodies lying dead on this beach that they had landed on with their plane. And what happened was they'd, they'd been killed. These natives who they tried to love and reach had murdered them. And you think, well, and it's kind of heavy, and you think, well, what was the point of all that? But you know, when the kingdom of God's in your life, no such thing as failure. No such thing as failure. Not many years after, one of the grandchildren of one of those men who were martyrs, she herself became a missionary. And she was at a missions conference in Ecuador. And as she was sitting in that conference, she got to chat to the guy she was sitting beside. And it transpired in the course of the conversation that he was one of the natives who had killed her grandfather. And he was now an evangelist, a missionary, 
telling people about God. You see, folks, the kingdom of God, when it gets a grip in someone's life, it absolutely is destined to succeed. It's nothing can stop it. It's got a growth potential that when you allow it to take root in your life, it's going to take you somewhere. This kingdom of God is just destined to fill and increase. So allow your family to come under the domain of God. I tell you, if you allow your marriage to come under the domain of God and let what God says about your marriage carry weight in your marriage, then I guarantee you, your marriage will look better tomorrow than it does today. And you might think, well, Peter, things ain't that good. But listen, I understand it's not perfect and it never will be perfect, but you know what? Because in the last year you've been allowing God and God's kingdom and God's ways to be permeating your marriage, look at where you're at now compared to where you were then. You only fight three times a day. You used to fight ten times a day. I'm telling you, oh, seriously, you, you will look back and you will see, you know what? Yeah, it's not perfect, but I tell you what, we're miles further forward than we were. And it's not like one big step to success. It's lots of little steps, but you're getting there. And you're heading in the right direction now because you've allowed the kingdom of God, God's way of doing things, God's way of doing marriage, to affect your marriage. And then you say, well, what about finances? Well, finances are in an absolute mess. Well, look at what God says, what God's kingdom would say about your finances. Submit that area of your life to what God would say about things. Tell you what, it might not be perfect yet, but you're a million miles away from where you were at. People come debt-free. People move from the red into the black and prosper and make a difference. Why? Because they've brought that area of their life under the domain of God. Okay, you bring your project or your cell group or your team or your ministry or your church under the domain of God. God, I'm going to do it your way with integrity and with values and with, you know, with the kingdom of God involved with it. Tell you what, that seed will bring greatness. That seed is just destined to grow. Your church will absolutely grow. You're going to, you're going to have to hold it down to stop it. It's just going to, it's going to burst forth. It's just natural because inbuilt within this seed is the potential for growth. If it's connecting with you, you're going somewhere good. You're going somewhere good. Is there anything you can do to help this growth process accelerate? Yeah, absolutely. I call this increase by association. Okay, listen to what Jesus said. The beginning of Mark's gospel, we read this many months ago when we started this series. Uh, Mark 1 and verse 15. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is near. What's he talking about? Why did he say the kingdom of God is near? Because it was? Yeah, that's a, that's a rubbish answer. Andrew McGreen, why did he say the kingdom of God is near? Because Jesus was there. This theological giant is in our midst. All right, honestly, wow, reverence. The kingdom of God is near. Why? Because Jesus was there. Because the king had just turned up. The king was on the scene. The kingdom of God is near. And you see when people start, and everyone heard that message, but you know some of the guys start hanging out with him? Some of the fishermen who were nobodies start hanging out with the king. And it was dead cool because no one else knew he was the king other than them. How cool is that? We think going on there. And they hung out with Jesus and his kingdom, that seed took root in their life. And fishermen, nobodies, became world influencers, became culture shakers, became people who absolutely shaped first century AD, absolutely, and have revolutionized 2,000 years of history. People who became foundation, people who were nobodies. Why? Because they connected with this kingdom and the king of the kingdom. And then you know what you found? See, 
In Acts chapter 4, verse 13, this is the Pharisees talking about the disciples. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, nobodies. They were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. You see, they hung out with Jesus. And the seed of the kingdom of God got hold of their lives. And that caused them to increase. And then you know what started happening in the early church? You read the book of Acts. You find that other people who weren't part of that 12 disciples, other people like Stephen or like Philip, started hanging out with this 12. Started hanging out with these influencers. People who'd hung out with Jesus, they were now hanging out with them. And you know what was happening? They started getting the seed in their life. So they started seeing great miracles taking place and churches growing and influence happening. And it's gone down through the generations until all of a sudden here in 2007, in Leith, a bunch of dudes are sitting here and the kingdom of God is affecting our lives. And as it's affecting our lives, you know what? It hasn't been diluted one bit through time. The same powerful seed of the kingdom of God is just as powerful today as it ever was. It isn't diluted through time, through passing it on. You've got the real McCoy, sunshine. It's strong. It's powerful. And as you connect with it in a meaningful and dedicated way like those people did, you're going somewhere too. You're going somewhere too. And as people connect with you, they'll catch it as well. That's how churches grow. That's how the kingdom advances. This thing is destined to succeed. You see, get into a large environment. That's what these disciples had done. They left their small world of fishing and hung out with the king. They got a bigger life. Apparently, if you get sharks and you take a little shark and you put it in an aquarium, that shark will be absolutely limited by the size of its environment. It will only grow. You could have a mature shark, which is six inches long. It's fully matured. It's just a miniature shark. It won't eat you. You can eat it. No problem. It doesn't, you know, sushi. Off it goes. But if you put it into the sea, whoa, get out the water, because that thing is going to grow to eight foot, and it will eat you like you're a, a maggot. It will just eat you up like you're a nobody. Why? Because its environment is big. And this sea, we call the kingdom of God. And when you get out of your small environment, and I'm talking about like you live in a small house, you know, you're not with me, folks. I'm talking parallel here, right? Let's think spiritually, all right? Spirit, I'm talking spiritually. If when you get out of your small-minded environment, you know, and sometimes the, the people you're hanging out with, they're just small-minded nutters. Now, convert them, right? Don't hang out with them to learn from them, okay? They're negative and small-minded. They're not going to, and if they affect you, then it's going it's to narrow your world in. Some of you have come from churches that are very small-minded. They're not dreaming of making a difference, they're not getting a hold of God's mission to take. I, I grew up in a church full of, I tell you, lovely, wonderful people. We could learn from them in terms of their commitment for other people. Absolutely. But one thing that was tragic was this. They confined the message to the four walls of the building. They never made any effort to connect with the world outside. And that's a, that's a crime. Absolute crime. It's a sin. I left that church and I wrote a letter to the minister saying why I left the church. And that was the reason. Because there was no effort being made to engage the world out there. And it's like you were in a goldfish bowl, constricting who you could be. So that some of you, you know, it's, it's, I don't have a problem with people leaving churches that aren't going somewhere to get part of churches that are going somewhere. Because ultimately, you're going to have to stand before God and give an account for how your life went somewhere. All right? So don't allow your environment to limit that. Here we see people, this thing with connection going on. Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17 says, 
As iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. There's something about being around someone who's totally sold out to the kingdom of God that will change you and help you grow. I'm going to give you three names. It might seem random names to you. There's a common link to them, and I'll tell you in a moment. There's one guy called Matthew Barnett. And Matthew Barnett, is, he's pioneered this great church called Los Angeles Dream Center. This church in Los Angeles is right in the middle of ganglands where there's tons of prostitution and pimps and drug dealing and gangs and violence and all this street warfare going on. And this church has got their sleeves rolled up, got involved, got connected, and people are coming away from that lifestyle. Their lives have been changed. So they've got a church full of ex-whatevers in the church loving Jesus. Incredible. So much so that they have noted that crime rates in that area have dropped dramatically, specifically because of this church. George Bush recently visited the church and said, you know, this is incredible. This is a model for the whole of the U.S. So great stuff. Matthew Barnett. There's another guy, Charles Neiman. He's in El Paso, Texas, doing a great job there. Raised up a church of some 10,000 people now. Last year, we sent thousands of pounds to help their orphanage, which happens in Mexico, called, uh, I think it's called Tapestries of Life in Mexico there, where they, they've got hundreds of orphans that are looking after their kids that have been on the, on the rubbish dumps, taking them, giving them a home, and giving them some love. And this great stuff going on. Charles Neiman built a big church. Awesome. Good guy. Then there's another guy, Bill Wilson. Bill Wilson's going to be with us at the end of this week at the summer conference. He's the pastor of the world's largest Sunday school in inner city New York with some 22,000 kids coming every week. Incredible man of influence. Who are these random people you're telling us about, Peter? First of all, don't be so cheeky. I just take time up here just to talk about nonsense things, right? So don't be so cheeky and ask who are these random people here. And secondly, these people are connected because this, they've got a mentor in common. They've got this guy, Tommy Barnett, is the mentor to all of them. There's a coincidence. Or not. Maybe it's a kingdom principle. Maybe it's that when God's working in someone's life and you connect with them, it opens up something in your life to grow. Some of you think, oh, that's so unspiritual, Peter. I get my growth from God. Oh, well, good on you, sunshine. So do I. But there is also a principle at work here. Because if I look back at the way I've grown in my Christian faith, I look at, I see, there was that person who met me and talked to me. And God brought this person into my life. And when I started going to that church, I learned these things from the pastor. And I look at how God has used people in my life. And I think, well, God, you worked. Your seed in us makes a difference. And this seed takes you somewhere great. This seed takes you somewhere great. So my advice is, number one, connect with Jesus, the king of the kingdom. Secondly, connect with people who are too. You think, church, folks, church is so priceless. Church is so important. Can I, I want to encourage us as a congregation, be consistent at church. Don't come that, and when you feel like it, and you know, kind of, don't make it kind of down here in your priority list, but hobbies and job and all that comes. No, no, put it right up there. Why? For our sakes? No, no, for your sake. Because when this seed gets a hold of your life, it's going to take you somewhere good. So allow your life to be exposed on a regular basis to people who are going somewhere. A big environment, not a small aquarium. Big thinking people going somewhere. It will affect you. It will help you grow. Come regular. Be a part of this church on a consistent basis. Not just turn it up when you want. You know, make a commitment. In a generation past, it used to be the done thing that everyone went to church, okay? 
Now, that was in one sense, that was pretty negative because it was negative because many people did it for the wrong reasons. They did it to be seen to be religious or like kids were forced to go and it was kind of, it was a heavy kind of religious thing going on. But you know, there's also something really positive about that. I think it made Great Britain pretty great. I think it put some values in some kids that they don't have anymore. Let's forget the legalism side of it. Let's just think of the benefits. It's good to get to church. It's good to be here every week. It's good to bring friends. It's good to expose yourself to a big thinking environment because you know what? Every day of your life you're being bombarded with a smallness. There's another kingdom in this world, folks, and it's a small kingdom. It's a kingdom of darkness. It says, if it feels good, do it. It says, you know, you're your own God. Don't submit to God or anyone. It will sometimes tell you that you're a nobody and that no one likes you. But actually, when you connect with the kingdom of God, it gives you a big life. It gives you a bigger thought life. It increases your capacity and it takes you to a good place. So expose yourself. Come to church regularly. Next thing I want to point out from these verses is that there are stages in growth. In verse 28 in Mark 4, it says, The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. Now, we understand in life there are stages, yeah? We don't get born adult, okay? We get born as a baby, and we grow into adulthood. We understand there are stages. Funny humans, aren't we? We, we always want the next stage, and don't just appreciate the current stage. That's another message, but you can think about that message later on. But God takes us on stages, and that's just part of our lives. We understand that. You know, you, you study, you get educated, you get a job, you work your way up in the job, you become the boss, then you rule the world. All right? We understand. There's stages. You don't just go from nobody to somebody in one step. You, there are stages going on. Yet, when it comes to Christian things, we assume because we're talking about God, that that doesn't apply. <laughs> With God, it's just all of a sudden. No, it's, it's stuff the stages. Just... <laughs> ta-da! That's just totally not the Bible. Because this parable Jesus is telling us, it seems so natural, this process of putting a seed in the ground, it grows, it goes through stages, then it becomes something. That seems so natural, but Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like that. In other words, God himself restricts his activities to this principle. That there are stages we've got to go in as a church, as individuals, in your family, there are stages in development that are totally wholesome and every stage is important. Every stage is God-ordained. And you know, every stage to get to the next stage, you need to fill the stage you're in. Yeah? Some of you unmarried folks are thinking, why am I married yet? No, listen, forget that. If you were meant to be married, you'd be married now. All right, Gareth? So chill. So, <laughs> sorry, no, no. No, no, no I, wasn't, I wasn't. Sorry, I just came out. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, everyone. Uh, what are you saying, George? <laughs> Someone else said, what was that, George? <laughs> what are you laughing at, Sammy? <laughs> hey, Warren? Cool. You all right? <laughs> hey, Nepal. <laughs> cool. Anyway, don't catch my eye. Don't catch my eye. That's a trick. Don't catch the pastor's eye. But the thing is, right, you're not married. Why? Because that's not your stage yet. Okay. You know, see, there's certain things in the stage you're in in life that you need to learn, be totally fulfilled in your singleness. It's an awesome life. You never get it back. It's an awesome stage. You never get that back. Enjoy that stage, you know. Learn in that stage. Develop in that stage. When you're ready, you put some deodorant on, 
comb your hair, all that, it will prepare you, right? It will prepare you for the next stage. And when you're ready, you'll arrive, tell you. Some of you are getting revelation right there. It's just, that's what it is, Lord. It's, it's almost, it's, it almost seems unspiritual, yeah? But you look in the Bible, and that was exactly how things happened. It was just the stages, and God respects those stages. Okay, here's an example, Exodus 23, verse 29. It says, this is God speaking to the Israelites, and he's promised them this promised land. And he's saying, okay, when you go into the promised land, here we go, but I will not drive them out in a single year, because the land would become desolate, and the wild animals too numerous for you. Little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to take possession of the land. There's a step. And this is God we're talking about. It's not talking about just a human process. We're talking about God's way of doing things. Step at a time. Step at a time. You see, Joseph, God gave Joseph a dream of being a ruler. But it it didn't happen straight away. He had to go through certain seasons in his life. Then he became the ruler. But he couldn't have been the ruler, the great ruler that he went on to be, if he skipped those stages. He would have been there prematurely and he would not be able to handle the responsibility that came. It would have gone to his head, it would have messed him up, it would have caused more hurt than anything else. When he was ready, God promoted him. And then it was David's, called by God to be a king. Stages in his life had to be gone through before he became that great king. Even Jesus himself restricted his activities until he was 30 because the season had come for his ministry to begin and in the next three years he changed the world more than anyone ever has he's the world's most famous person in just three years of life he's changed this world more than anyone else ever has given even their entire lifespan yet in three years he's changed everything he's our hero if you've never met him if you've never allowed him to be the king of your life if you've never come into his kingdom please today consider doing that at the end I'm going to give you the opportunity if you want to do that it would be the best the most valuable, most precious thing you could ever do with your life. So Jesus even respected this principle. Jesus commissioning his disciples at the beginning of the church in Acts 1 and verse 8, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There are stages in the development. He didn't say, right, the whole world, go. No, no. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Every stage must be completed before moving on to the next stage. Every stage is important for maturity to come. Proverbs 20 verse 21 says, it's a warning, an inheritance quickly gained at the beginning will not be blessed at the end. Some of you are saying, Lord, I know you want to prosper me, so I'm buying lottery tickets every week. And please, Lord, let my jackpot come through. (laughs) How about a revolutionary concept like hard work? turning up at work. I mean, that's you. Getting a job, right? Okay. Saving. Paying for things you can afford. Not going into debt. Maybe I'm just being crazy here, but that seems kind of sensible to me. Okay, what season are we in as a church? Let me just take a wee aside just now and just talk about where we're at as a church. You know, we've been an exciting growth period over the last nine years since starting the church. We've been growing and we're really encouraged by that. We've been going through, since probably since the turn of the year, we've gone through a season where we feel we've been putting some significant things in place in terms of the structure of the church. We're ready, we believe, for the next stage of growth because you've got to fill the stage you're in before you move on to the next stage. 
So here's a couple of facts and figures for you. Uh, in fact, before I do that, before I tell you those things, let me remind you of a prophecy that came recently about us as a church. Dave Smith, who's the pastor of Peterborough Community Church, he was speaking at our last First Sunday event. And at the First Sunday event, he brought a prophecy about us as a network of churches. And the prophecy was along these lines. Now, bear in mind, Dave Smith's church in the last year has gone from 900 people to 1,700 people in England. That's great for, for Britain. That's just terrific. He said this, you're coming up to the next level. After 13 years of preparation, God suddenly promoted Joseph. God is going to take you to the next level. It's time for the church to come into a place of prominence. That's the words that he came to bring all the way from Peterborough to prophesy over us as a network of churches. I believe we're an exciting strategic moment as a destiny network of churches that we're, we're here to take our place in this world to make an impact. Uh, just a number of things going on, but here's one of the things that's happening on a bigger scale. Uh, STL Authentic, uh, one of the largest Christian music producers and promoters, have signed us for a three-album deal. This is Destiny Church in Glasgow. The first album gets launched in September the 7th this year. Now, STL, they're the ones who market Hillsongs and Vineyards. So they're the ones who've produced their stuff and got them around the world. And what they've said to us is, we're going to have your songs sung all over the world and your CDs are going to be in every Christian bookshop in this globe. So that's all right. That's all right, yeah, we'll do that. Okay, we'll do that one. But that's, I mean, obviously that just raises everything, the profile. People are going to hear about us. And not that we want to be famous, we want to make Jesus famous. But we can assure people if they come here, they're going to hear about Jesus. And we're going to tell them that he's wonderful. So we're excited about that. It's a, it's a new stage for us as a church. And that's one of the things that God's blessed us with. Here locally, since January, we've welcomed 40 new members into the church. We've seen 125 responses to the gospel since January. And we've baptized 24 people since January. We've started five new cell groups in the church since January. We've also started a new believers cell group, which is a way of looking after people who have just come to faith. I know some of you here go to it. We call it Roots. It's brilliant. And we teach some of the basics of Christianity. So if you're new to the faith, you want to get grounded in your Christian faith and get connected, it happens Monday nights. If you want to know more about it, go and see the information table. They'll connect you. We also, Ashley, our secretary here, did a, a real good investigation into our growth. And she's looked at the last kind of four years of growth in the church here. We've looked very accurately at what the attendances have been and how they've increased. It's interesting. So I had to adjust some of my figures because I've been saying that typically we're 350 people on a Sunday. Actually, it's actually 300 people were on a Sunday. So my apologies for that. Well, I was exaggerating. Well, I wasn't deliberately. I thought that was the case. So we're sitting at 300 people typically on a Sunday. This time last year, between January and summer last year, we were sitting at exactly 200 people. Between January and summer, we're just ticking along at 200 people. Up, not going up, not going down, just sitting there. Then from summer to Christmas last year, we grew by 100 people to 300 people. And since January this year, we've been sitting at 300 people. (laughs) Same pattern incidentally happened in 2004 where there was a consistent number and then from summer to Christmas there was growth. And during that consistent number season, we've seen growth, but we've seen members added. We've seen cell groups develop. It's like we're kind of consolidating the people. Then we grow again. Then we consolidate the people. Then we grow again. So it's exciting. We're, we are sitting at the 300 mark just now. Our dream that at the end of this year, I had previously said it was 500 people. We're going to go for 450 people, simply because I was basing that on our current attendance being 350. So our current attendance is 300 people, and we're believing by the end of this year to be 450 people. Why? Because there's tons of people to be reached. 
Who's with me in that one? I believe that's possible. I believe that's possible. And uh, we want to see the cell groups increase from the 20 cell groups we've got. At the beginning of this year, we had 15 cell groups. We've now got 20 cell groups. And so we're on track to see the 25 cell groups by the end of the year, which is dead exciting. In terms of buildings, now this building's great, and I think we can ooze a bit more growth out of it. We need to take a step, and we're not going to wait until we're packed with 15 services on a Sunday before we make this decision, all right? We're getting the ball rolling strongly now. Here's where we're at in terms of hunting for a building. You know, we're looking at many building options around the place. That's important that you know that. We haven't kind of narrowed down to just one, although we are pursuing one more than others. The one we're really looking at is just around the corner here. It's a three-acre site owned by Standard Life. And the current situation with that, just so you know, is that the firm of architects that I used to work for, Reakin Hall, they've got involved now. They're basically gearing up for a planning proposal. They're looking to, we have to get planning permission to get on that site. That site is currently designated as business use. We're not business. So we have to get a change of use going on there. We'd previously planned to think, well, if we got that site, we would use existing buildings. But what we're thinking now is we're just going to blow them out of the war. We're thinking crazy now. Kind of crazy look in our eyes. We're, we're going to, you know, we're just going to demolish the buildings, right? Plan is we're going to build three blocks of housing. That's, it, this is the plan, okay? I'm not saying this is going to happen. This is just what we're thinking just now. We're going to build three blocks of flats. We're going to work in partnership with the developer. The flats will get built, and we will build a brand new church facility on that site. By getting the flats on the site, if we do our sums right, and if, by the grace of God, he blesses us, it might just be that we could get our facility built for nothing. So that'd be right. So that's what we're going for. That's our thinking just now. And that, that process will take a long time. It'll be a year at least before we get planning permission, if it all goes smoothly. And so there's a lot to pray into. We've got to pray that God reserves that site for us during this investigation period, that no one else comes in and takes it away. The other thing that's really important to know is my hope is not in that site. And I, I want any of your hopes to be in that site. Our hope is in God. That's what we're looking at. And it's important you know we're looking at that. And we're not just looking at it a little bit. We're seriously looking at it. Okay? But you need to know our hope's in God because he's the one who can provide any building for us. And that'll be one of many buildings, God willing, in the years ahead. So we've just got to think bigger than a building. Our faith is in God who brings growth and increase. Thank you so much to everyone who's given as part of this building project. It has been so, so appreciated. We've tallied up now and we know where we're at in terms of the building giving. Now, it's good news and bad news. The good news is we've had 70 people in this congregation giving a monthly amount. And the average monthly amount being given, now some's much more, some's much less, but the average has been £50 a month people have signed up to give. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Because that's over and above your ordinary tithes and offerings. You're, you're saying we're realizing this is an important step and you're giving on average £50 a month extra. That's incredible. That's phenomenal. And thank you so much to everyone who has risen to the challenge. That is such a powerful thing you've done. As the Bible says, as you give, it will be given back to you. God will bless you in return. That's the Bible. Here's the challenge as well. The challenge is that 70 people, you know, I would like to see the 300 people who are attending give. You know, if if you haven't given yet as part of this building project, why not consider giving? And even if it's like a pound a month, or it could be several hundred pounds a month, Whatever you're able to give, it's not the issue, the amount, it's just the participation. And if we can, if 70 people have been able to give, and typically it's sitting at about four and a half thousand, it's probably going to be more likely to be five or six, five thousand five hundred pounds a month extra is coming in as a result of this giving, which is great. But if everyone was able to give in this congregation who turns up on a Sunday, 
that number would increase dramatically to probably being nearer the 15 to 20,000 mark if we could get 280 or 300 people giving on a monthly basis to this. So please prayerfully consider the amount isn't the issue. If even it's a small amount or something you can bring a bigger amount, each according to your own ability, as you give together, set up a standing order if you can, then it will, it will enable us and empower us to take the big step we need to take. So that's where we're going. The ball is firmly moving and it's very exciting. Also, we, just to let you know as well, we want to be debt-free in this building. Just now, God bless us in a big way to get the, the huge down payment we needed to buy this place. Our mortgage isn't a huge mortgage. It's a, it's a domestic-scale mortgage for a building that's a decent-sized building. So God has blessed us, but we want to be debt-free in this. We want to be absolutely debt-free, ideally before we move into our next place. And we want to ideally buy that place debt-free. That's, that's why we're thinking strategically with the planners. We don't want to have a noose around our church's neck of a debt, right, of a lot of money, because we want to focus our money on people. Our missions goals. This year, we've, we've released Kevin and Mary from staff here to go down in Pioneer Desk, New York. They just got started last week. The ball is rolling. It's good news. So uh, please keep in touch with them if you can, and uh, let's provide as much. I certainly will be. Also, we plan at the end of summer to start a fourth service, and the fourth service isn't going to be here. The plan is to start our fourth service in Gorgi. Ooh, cut yeah. You weren't expecting that one. Gorgi, it's a totally different part of town. It's, in fact, it's opposite side of the city to Leith. So it's strategic, and it catches that whole half of the city just like Leith catches this half of the city. While people do travel from all over the city to come here, we also acknowledge that some people wouldn't. So we want to put a service on up that part of town just to connect the whole new bunch of people. Our dream is by the end of the year to have 50 people at least meeting there. The plan will be it'll probably be a Sunday night meeting, so we'll have a 10 o'clock, a 12 o'clock, and it might be a 5 o'clock here, and then a 7 o'clock up there. All right. The, also, strategically, is, is Gorgi is the, it's got the biggest population with the least amount of churches in it, so it's, it's definitely a need there, so we're, we're going to try and fill that gap. So that's exciting. Say, wow. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now you've been cheeky. The other thing is, to go beyond this uh, stage we're at, we're also restructuring in terms of the way we're pastoring and the way we're on staff here. And up till now, I've been carrying a lot of the weight with one-to-one pastoring of people. And you know what? I absolutely love that. That's my passion, and that's what I love doing. But I've also got to realize that for the church to go beyond this point, that needs to phase out a bit more for me. I need to have other people stepping up to carry that. Otherwise, the church isn't going to grow beyond this point. Is it because I don't love hanging around with people? Yeah, I hate your problems. Okay, no, it's not that. It's not that. And I say, I've heard enough. No, it's not that. It's yeah, I love hearing your problems. You know, all varied and quirky and kind of it's great. Yeah. I killed someone. Oh, brilliant! Good on you. God will forgive you. Yeah, it's so exciting and dynamic. I've decided to bless some other members of the staff with your problems. Is that all right? No, just kidding you. I do love you, and I'll always be your pastor. But what you've got to understand is for us to go beyond here is I don't just love you. I also love them out there. And if we don't change the way we're working as a church, then I'm just going to be loving you and we're going to be this size till the day we die. But that's not the kingdom of God, which grows and increases. And we're here not for a small church. We're here for a big church, unapologetically. Not a big impersonal church. I'm not saying that. I'm saying a big, highly personal church where every individual counts. But for the church to grow, I love you all to bits. I think you know that, right? And if you've had one-to-one time with me, I hope that you've known that. It's, it's important that we know that for the church to grow beyond this point, 
I need to give a lot of the pastoral load now to Graham and Kat. Graham's on staff. Kat's coming on staff in September. So that's exciting. And they're going to be carrying a whole lot of the pastoral loads. Also, Roddy, who presented the certificates. Roddy's a professional counsellor. He's going to be coming on staff as of September as well. So this team are going to be carrying a lot of the pastoral one-to-one loads, looking after people in the church here. So that's exciting. And what that's going to do is going to change the way I'm working in the church. Now, you're going to have to work with me in this. It means I'm not going to be just as accessible as I was. I don't want to be some distant pastor, okay? I'm not going to be that ever. I want to be in amongst you, hands-on. That's my heart, because I think that's how Jesus did things. But at the same time, we've also got to realize that for the church to grow and to affect more than that, that I need to hand on a lot of the pastoring to other people as well so that the load is shared, so that indeed we can keep growing in the years ahead. You with me? Give me an amen. amen. Smile. Okay. The other important thing to let you know about as well, we're Sheard and Allison, who have done a phenomenal job of leading the worship team here, they felt a number of years back that God was going to call them to Inverness. They deliberately kind of put that to the sides because they knew that they had to focus on what they were doing just now. That was leading this worship team here. Sheard and Allison, where, where's, where are you guys? In the cafe. Hey, you all right? <laughs> they, they've done a phenomenal job taking the worship team from a kind of motley crew to being even a worse, no, a, a better... A better, an incredible worship band we've got here. And in fact, several worship leaders. To be honest, several worship bands. We've got so many people we can row to them on for the three services we're doing. Guys have done a great job. But you know, recently, it's come back into the fore of their minds that God might still be calling them to Inverness. And three months ago, God spoke to me, pre-warned me that actually he's going to take them north. And then about a week or so later, Cheard came in, we had a meeting. And it was absolutely no surprise to me to hear him say, I feel, Peter, it might be time for us to go north. They went away, prayed about it. They believe it's right. So they're going north. A few years back when they first heard that, there was nothing up there for them. But now Destiny Church Highlands has started up there, which Bill and Izzy from here left to start Destiny Church Highlands a couple of years ago. They're up there now. So they're going up to serve with Bill and Izzy. So that's exciting. So they're going to move up there. And Emily Lima, let's hear for Emily. (laughs) Is going to be taking on the worship bands and taking them not just a sidestep or a step back, but a step forward into all that God's got for them. So we're behind you, Emily. We're going to worship God with you on Sundays, yeah? Uh, so cheer down. We love you guys. You're incredible. Amazing leaders. We admire you. We love your servant-hearted, humble attitudes. And that's going to see you far. In the years ahead, God's going to use you mightily. Emily's going to do an awesome, awesome job here, taking the worship up to a whole new level, onwards and upwards. Also, we're going to start reaching out into the Polish community here in Leith. Leith has got one of the biggest Polish communities in all of Edinburgh. Up till now, we've got some Polish people in church. It's great to have you here, and we want to do our best to connect with more. It's a real opportunity we're missing. So, Beth Godfrey, where are you, Beth? There's Beth. Hey, Beth. You are right? Beth is coming on full-time staff as of next month, and Beth is going to be doing a number of things. Say, wow. Wow. Bet you're glad you came today. You're getting the inside stuff today. Uh, Beth is going to be spearheading an outreach to the Polish community here locally. And if you want to get involved with that, talk to Beth. And also she's, as, a, as an actor and someone who's totally passionate about creative arts, is going to be taking the whole arts and creative ministries in the church up to a new level completely. So we want this church to, in fact, we had a prophetic word a number of years ago about us being known for creativity. So we want to see films produced here. We want to see 
dramas, we want to see songs written, we want to see animations, we want to see tons of whole host of stuff that's not going to entertain Christians, but it's going to connect with our world and give this great message about Jesus to our world. So Beth, we're excited about you coming on. And also Beth is going to be organizing twice a year missions trips to other continents. And she's going to do this for us here in Edinburgh, but also other churches in their network. Glasgow's going to get team up with us and do this. Beth's going to organize mission trips. So if you've got a heart, you know, you, you don't just want to go on a typical holiday, lie on the beach, chill out. You want to go and get your sleeves rolled up and build an orphanage or go and tell people about Jesus in Kenya. I don't know, go to India and do something great for God. You know, we're going to make those opportunities available to you. So twice a year, we're going to send mission trips from here out. And you know what it'll do? It'll do something in us. It'll take us out of our aquarium, help us think big. It'll make us aware of the need out there. That will change the way you live here, incidentally. It'll inform the way you give. And also, it'll be a real blessing on the grounds, maybe with Patrick in a few years, and other places, making a difference, doing things that are actually going to be beneficial to wonderful people's lives. So that's exciting. So Beth, you're going to be very welcome on staff here. Finally, Mark Driscoll, who's the pastor of a fantastic church in Seattle, he, he started a church from pretty much zip, and it's grown to you know, multiple thousands of people through in Seattle, which is the most unchurched part of America, incidentally. And he's connected with a whole bunch of people, 20-year-olds, goths and punks, and kind of bunch that would usually never go anywhere near church. He's connecting with them. Great preacher. If you get a chance, go on marshillchurch.org and listen to some of his messages. Brilliant. Good stuff. He's going to be with us. He's confirmed he's going to be with us in November, which is really exciting. He's going to be preaching here in the Sunday morning services. He's going to be doing a leaders conference here on Friday night. But on the Saturday, we're going to do our men's conference with Mark Driscoll. So guys, watch this space. It's going to be brilliant. I think it's the 16th, 17th, 18th, that weekend of November. We're believing this year for a thousand men at our men's conference. Can we believe for that? So let's really believe. Let's invite guys. Let's, and we're going to let this be known far and wide. He's coming. It's going to be a great time. This will be our fourth annual men's conference. So it's going to be great. Let me end just by saying a few things about this parable we've been talking about. You know, how can you be part of making what we've just talked about there happen? Well, Graham touched earlier on tithes and offerings. You would think, well, with so many people coming to church, Peter, there must be a good income in terms of offerings. It is. And thank you. But I have to say, because we've got a vision, every month we're at bottom line again. (laughs) all comes in and all goes out. Now, I'm very pleased about that because I can stand up here with integrity and say we're living for our vision because we absolutely are. We're putting our money where our vision is. So that should give you guys confidence. In other words, if, if, if we were, didn't have a vision and we were just happy to be this church, this size and this building, you know, we'd have plenty of money. We could do lots of things. But because we're trying to let the city know about Jesus, because we're mobilizing people and bring people in and guest speakers and events and leaflets and giving to the poor and all this stuff that we're longing to do in abundance it's resulted in you know we're every month we're tight the way god provides for the house of god is through his people and it's predominantly through tithes and offerings so can i encourage you be consistent in giving tithes and offerings if you've never tithed in your life have a look at what the bible says about it come with conviction and bring your tithe give an offering to god me and angie took time over the last couple of months just to look at our giving we're not on phenomenal salaries we're blessed I wanted to make money, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing, I'd been doing what I was doing. That's not my agenda in life. My agenda is, you know, the church. I love church. But we looked at what we're giving, and we're, our giving is, we calculate roughly 25% of our, everything that comes in, we give out. But you know what? We've got no needs. 
We're living in a lovely house. We've got every bit of transport we need. Literally, we have everything we could ever ask for in life. And it's not because we've kept it hoarded. It's because we've given. You see, a swamp takes in but doesn't give out. It starts stinking. But a river just lets things pass through. And I tell you, there's, there's freshness and blessing when you become a river. When you give, God will provide for you. That's a principle in the church. In verse 28 of Mark 4, it says, The soil produces crops by itself. First the blade, then the head, then the mature grain in the head. What is the end goal of growth? What is your ultimate in life? What is your plan? What is your agenda in life? You see, many Christians have stopped short. They've just said, Oh, I am so blessed. God's provided for me. I'm happy. I've got good relationships. I'm part of a good church. Thank you, God. I am blessed. And they stopped. And that is not your destination. The destination of this seed was to produce something that had in itself many other seeds. Look at this picture of the the corn here. Seeds produced something that produced multiple seeds. Destination of a baby. Baby is born. Baby poops, vomits, wee-wees, does the whole deal, baby stuff, right? And then it grows up and it continues doing those things without a nappy now. Then it, it becomes a teenager and it starts growing a few things in life. It becomes a man or a woman. They get married and then they have babies. Cool, huh? And it's fun. Yeah. Okay, a tree, that little seed, becomes a seedling. Then it becomes a little tree. Then the tree gets stronger and bigger. And then that tree bears fruit. It hasn't arrived yet. It's getting there, though. It's blessed. But the next stage is the most important bit. The fruit drops. A little squirrel comes along. Eats the fruit. Digests the fruit. And then... And there's seed sitting in fertilizer. Now that seed takes root. And you know what happens? Another tree starts to grow. Because the destination of the seed isn't just blessed. The destination of your life isn't just get me blessed. It's go be a blessing. Now you need to be blessed. But you need to go and be a blessing. The Bible says in, I'm going to end with this verse. Psalm 67 verses 1 to 2 and verses 6 to 7. Listen, you, you'll recognize these verses. We often hear them as a, almost a benediction. Okay, I'll do it as a benediction. May God be gracious to us. No, stuff that. Right, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Now, often that's where we stop. May God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face to shine upon us and bless us. Oh, that sounds good. But we stop. But the Bible doesn't stop. It says that your ways may be known on the earth, that your salvation may be known among the nations. Land will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. You see, this blessing was never meant to be just contained. The kingdom of God, when you connect with it, when you come under the kingdom of God, when you allow God to rule in your life, you are on an increase now. You're moving somewhere. You can expect areas of your life to flourish But you know your destination isn't just being blessed. Your destination is being a blessing. 
That's where God wants us to go. A great church isn't just a blessed church. A great church is a blessing church. Rick Warren defines the great church. He says this, I believe that your measure of health and strength as a church is by its sending capacity rather than by its seating capacity. The church is in the sending business. Powerful thought. We want to be a church that makes an impact, influences, positively benefits our culture because God knows it needs it. And we're here to make a difference. And each one of us has a part to play in that. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you truly will bless us and you, your desire is to let your face shine upon us, God. But God, we want to be those who don't just keep the blessing to ourselves, but that God, we do everything we possibly can to give this blessing away, to share this blessing with others. God, we could be so much more comfortable if we weren't thinking of building projects. We could be so much more comfortable, God, if we weren't thinking of taking grounds or influencing in our city. But God, we're not here to be comfortable. We're here to be effective. And God, we know we only get one life, so we want to make it count in every way possible. God, we thank you that your kingdom takes us somewhere great. The seeds of your kingdom, when it takes root in our lives, it bears this harvest, it bears this fruit that's just incredible. And God, we want to be those who bear this fruit and who we in turn increase and end up being a blessing to many. Thank you, Lord. I'm just going to give you an opportunity that if you're here today and you've never allowed Jesus to become the king of your life, you're still in the kingdom of darkness. You haven't transferred to the kingdom of light. The hard truth is there's no demilitarized zone. There's no in-between. You're either in one or the other. And today, I want to encourage you. Yield your life to God. Come under the authority of the God who made you. Let him have a say in your future, in your life. Yield your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your ambitions. Give them to God. And I tell you what, he wants a great life for you more than you want it for yourself. So you don't need to worry, you're in safe hands. But give your life to God. Jesus died for you on a cross. He rose again three days later. He gave everything for you. And today he gives you the opportunity to come to him, to come into his kingdom, to come under his rulership, his government. If that's you today, then I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray a prayer. And in this prayer, you get a chance to respond to Jesus, to commit your life to him. So if that's you today, I invite you to repeat this prayer after me right now. Pray, dear Lord God, I thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Jesus, thank you that you died on that cross so I could be forgiven for all my sins. Right now, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please cleanse me and forgive me. Jesus, I believe that you rose from the dead three days later. And right now, I make you Lord of my life. I come under your authority and I submit my entire life and my future to you. I give my life into your hands. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer and accepting me today.
Thank you I have transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Amen. If anyone just prayed that prayer, you've just prayed a marvelous prayer. God has heard your prayer.